0: what's up everybody welcome back to another broadcast i'm your host rob goodwin and if you're watching me then you're watching me on my youtube channel thank you very much for showing up popping in for another broadcast uh if you don't mind hit that subscribe button click the notification bell blah 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 you know the drill if you're listening to this on the podcast the ketogenic bodybuilding podcast welcome back to another podcast i think this makes it Episode 31, if I'm not mistaken, we're into the 30s, so pretty damn cool there. Um, This is going to be a pretty big Q&A episode, question and answer. I've got some great questions that were submitted on the Ketogenic Bodybuilding Facebook group. Uh, Almost 11,000 members strong. Very active, cool community. If you're not a member, join now. Um, And I also got a few questions off of my Instagram and that uh, you can find me on Instagram at Rob Goodwin official links are in the show notes, you know, the drill there I would love to have you as a follower on IG. Uh, Hey, I hope everybody had a great Memorial Day. This is uh, just a a few days after Memorial Day. Hope you uh, had a day off if you were one of those people lucky enough to get the day off. Uh, At any rate, I hope you were able to uh, have some time with family and friends. And um, I hate to use the word celebrate when it comes to Memorial Day, unless you use it in the context of celebrating the memory of those heroes, the greatest among us who gave their lives for this country and to preserve our freedoms and liberties. And uh, that's what my family does. And uh, I was lucky enough this year to be able to pay tribute by doing the Murph Challenge. If you don't know what the Murph challenge is, uh, just Google it. Uh, there is a charitable foundation. There's an official page for it, which is pretty cool where you can actually register. But uh, the Murph challenge is a workout and uh, many people do it uh, on Memorial Day every year. Some people do it on the 4th of July as well, and some people just do it throughout the year just to gauge their fitness. It's a great indicator of that. And it's a, it's a kick ass challenge. It is with uh, wearing a 20 pound vest or a 20 pound rucksack. I use the rucksack. Um, you run one mile and then you do um, 100 pull ups, 200 push ups, and 300 squats. And then you do another mile. Now you can change the way you do this, the middle three the pull ups, the push ups, and the squats. Um, some people do. 10 sets of, you know, uh, 10 pull-ups, 20 push-ups, 30 squats. Some people do 20 rounds of five pull-ups, 10 push-ups, uh, 15 squats. I did the 10 rounds of 10 pull-ups, 20 push-ups, 30 squats with the 20 pound rucksack. And I think by the time I put a 20 pound plate in my rucksack, it was nearly 25 pounds, not super heavy, but enough to really be a pain in the ass when you're trying to go through this challenge, so it was tough. I also am the moron that decided to do this in my backyard in very on a very hot Memorial Day um, in direct sunlight was where my pull-up bar was, and the same deal with the push-ups and the squats. And you know, I'm out running around my neighborhood. I live in the foothills of the North Carolina mountains, so you can't go ten feet without climbing a hill and then going back down one. So the mile was a little bit challenging for a guy who doesn't run anymore. (laughs) So, uh, and the only thing that I really want to be proficient at these days is to be able to run a mile because I think, uh, in any shit situation that may transpire, if you can haul ass for a mile, then you're probably ahead of most people. You can either engage or evade most situations if you can run a good mile. So, I do want to become proficient at running a good mile and that's with the weighted vest. So that's actually one of my goals that I'm working on right now. So it played in perfectly for me. I'm going to tell you, it kicked my ass. I got through the damn thing. Thank God. Um, so I finished that, um, and I was absolutely drenched, but it was a great challenge. I'm very proud to be able to get through that. Um, and, uh, then after that it was burgers and dogs in the backyard, Um, drank a couple of beers, which I never do, um, and just spent time with family and friends. And, uh, that was about it. And, uh, you know, just honored the memory of those who made the ultimate sacrifice. So I hope everybody had a great Memorial day and I hope this week has been great. And, um, I am coming off of a YouTube video slash podcast that I called day one. And if you haven't watched it, it'll be right up there. Uh, check that out, or after after this show, you know, go into my library and find that video. It's called Day One, and it's essentially me announcing my retirement from competitive bodybuilding. Now, understand for those who think, "Oh, he's you know gone off the rails, he's out beyond the breakers, he's not doing this shit anymore." No, I will always be a bodybuilder at heart, always, and I've been doing this long enough to know that the style of training that I did for bodybuilding competitions and bodybuilding prep. And it's also a lot of the way I trained back in the nineties, when I really got involved in this lifestyle, those workouts will never go away. That methodology and ideology will never go away. It will always be a part of what I do, because I think if you abandon that style of training altogether, then especially if you're over 40, you run the risk of, you know, uh, accelerating sarcopenia and losing muscle and, uh, so for those of out there that might be worried, I am not becoming a fucking CrossFitter, okay? <laughs> um, if anything, uh, no, you know, just just because a lot of CrossFitters um, sort of tried to adopt workouts like the Murph for their own, um, you know, that has its roots in the military. And uh, so the way I like to look at it is, uh, you know, I don't like to use the broad term of functional fitness, even though that's what it is. And I think it's a great thing. And I'm loving adding an element of that into my training. But for me, it's like everything else. It's a hybrid. So I like to call it more like tactical fitness because a lot of the things that I'm borrowing, uh, come from, you know, the military community things, you know, standards in the military things that, you know, these guys go through for military selection. Um, a lot of the stuff that the guys from the GoRuck.com website, the go ruck company do for some of their challenges and some of their workouts with sandbags and you know, carrying heavy rucksacks and doing all these things. I've incorporated a lot of that into what I'm doing along with my bodybuilding style training. So if anything, my split has changed to a degree, but it's just me adding some of that tactical fitness into my already, you know, brutal bodybuilding split. And it's just altered it a little bit. So I still do certain, you know, uh, this part of my periodization throughout the year will still be some splits where our, our body's part specific, where I'll do back on one day and chest on another day and legs. But right now in this place in my training, I'm doing like a push pull kind of a deal where I'll do like a, a push on Monday, pull on Tuesday. I'm doing a, a tough leg day on Wednesday. Thursday is more complete upper body. It's sort of everything above the waist along with some core. And then Friday, we're doing a a sort of a our tactical fitness hit workout that involves, you know, D balls or these big giant rubber medicine balls, 80 to 100 pound balls. And we're doing sandbag work and. Little bit of kettlebell stuff and uh, you know, body weight movements, still throwing in some traditional bodybuilding stuff, you know, squats and lunges and step ups and pull ups and push ups and dumbbell work, and there's still bench presses and there's still cable work. So it's it's this great, you know, hybrid of all of these elements combined, just with the intensity raised a little bit and making sure that everything I'm doing is making me uh Harder to kill motherfucker. I mean, that, that's, that's the goal now, you know, for many, many years, I was what I would admittedly call all show and no go, you know, because to be at the top of my game as a competitive bodybuilder, I, it was all about the aesthetic element. I had to look a certain way in order to win a competition and beat my other competitors, so I couldn't take any risks at all, and not being able to preserve and build as much lean mass as possible. Admittedly, some of the stuff I'm doing now now may lend to some loss in muscle mass to a slight degree. Uh, I don't think it's nearly enough to worry about, and you know, you, you bet your ass, I'm still wanting to always be lean and muscular and ripped, and you know, look good naked as, as long as I possibly can at my age. But I also want to be able to. Uh, not only, you know, look great, but perform at at a super high level for my age. I want to be in that 1% with whatever I do. So the mindset is still the same. Work your ass off, try to work harder than everybody else, work ethic intact, never fucking quit. You know, it's, you know, every day, push yourself to be the best you can be. And every day is day one. There's no goal date for me anymore. There's no Saturday morning at 10 a.m. where I have to stand on stage meticulously prepped at that moment in time to be the best I can possibly be to impress judges. Now it's be the best person I can possibly be every single day and find that hybrid between what I call the terminator and the predator and be the best you know carved out of wood piece of iron that I can possibly be that can not only lift something heavy but then carry it a half a mile if I have to. So that's the goal right now. And I'm really enjoying the shit out of it. And I'm, um, you know, it's able to really let my programming wheels turn. And I'm really putting together some badass programming that I'm super proud of. And I'm able to take 30 years of experience um, in the trenches and apply it to some really cool programming in this realm, in this genre. And clients of mine who are like minded are really going to be able to benefit from this. And You heard it here almost first. I think I hinted to it already. Um, I'm launching a new program, hopefully within a week, called Tier One, called Tier One Training. And it's going to be, it's going to give everyone out there, if you're watching this, if you're listening to this, it's going to give you an opportunity to um, take advantage of this meticulous new training regimen protocol that I'm putting together. And you will have access to it. And you will also be able to choose your method of operation, meaning if you want to be this type of an individual and train this way, you'll be able to choose that approach, that method of operation. If you want a more traditional bodybuilding style, look good naked, be a badass approach, then that will be an option for you as well. So. Um, there's lots of cool details coming from this, and it's also going to be a community where you'll be able to, you know, compare notes and converse with others that are in your pack that you choose. So, and i think I'm going to borrow from the carnivore predator challenge that we did back in January, where you were a, a wolf or a lion. And then we had cubs for the beginners. I, I think I'm going to go with wolves and lions for the first two uh, methods of operation that you will be able to choose to be a part of. And that's all I'm going to tell you right now, the rest, I'm going uh, to, come out hopefully in about a week with another special edition podcast to explain that to you. And then I want to hopefully many of you and get involved. So, you know, if the gold training that I do is not for you, if it's not in your budget, if it's more than you need, then in the trenches is a little bit too budget, you know, a little bit too one dimensional, one dimensional, The tier one is going to be the perfect thing smack in the middle. And just it's going to have this great pack mindset to it, the whole community aspect of it. So anyway, I'm getting off track, but that's where I am right now. Uh, So every day is day one for me and I'm loving the shit out of it. And uh, typical me, I have, you know, I knew that when I retired from bodybuilding competition and I knew that the next stage of my life would look something like this. It was very, very critical for me to make sure that what I was doing was even more of a challenge than even bodybuilding prep. Bodybuilding prep is the hardest thing I've ever done. This is hard on a different kind of a level. It's hard to explain. There are different levels of discomfort and they differ one to the other. So both are really hard. It's just hard in a different way. And it's a way that I can continue to push and challenge myself every single day. And again, every day is day one. So that's where I'm at right now. So if you like the sound of that, then keep following along because there's going to be more cool shit coming in that realm. Anyway. So um, anyway, so let's see, we caught up. I didn't, I really didn't have an agenda for this podcast, except for some, some great questions that were submitted that I have up here on the screen that I literally just cut and paste from the Facebook group and from the Instagram page. Now I'll go ahead and tell you, I have not rehearsed any of these questions, so I'm going to read them cold and uh, try to answer them to the best of my ability. And uh, so if I stumble around a little bit, Apologies in advance. Um, This is not the most polished YouTube slash podcast out there. And uh, maybe that's one of the reasons why, you know, some of you like it, my nine loyal followers out there. But uh, anyway, so let's get on to the Q&A, because a lot of people uh, submitted a lot of questions this time around. Let's see. Let me scroll down here. I'm staring at my screen. That's so why I'm looking away. I've got them up on my screen cause I am blind as a damn bat. So I had to put it in a big font up on my monitor. I've got 13 questions that I probably will not get through, but we're going to give it a whirl and give it a shot because you know me, I like to tend to go off on tangents and rants. So hopefully I can keep the, keep the wheels on the road on this one and, and keep it rolling. So you're not sitting through too much horse shit. Um, all right. Uh, Question number one, it's a long one that I'm going to read first, and then I'll try to break it up the best I can. Um, In this one question, it says, one, should cardio be periodized? Two, should cardio be a combination of HIT and L-I-S-S or LIS, which is steady state cardio? Uh, How long can you safely, without stalling the metabolism, cut? And number four, Besides the obvious, calories, how do you like to manipulate macros during the cut, reverse, and bulk phase? Is this too much? Sorry, but I want to learn all I can about this magic that you possess. Number one, I don't possess any magic because there is no magic, but I appreciate the sentiment. Um, This is just a lot of logic and um, rational thought combined with 30 years of experience wrapped up into a meticulous delving of the research that is not bullshit and bought by corporations. That's another podcast. Um, So here's what I think. This is my opinion based on my results of all the years that I've been training and training others and the results of the thousands of people that I've worked with over the years and are working with currently today. Should cardio be periodized? I don't look at it as a periodization. I look at it as you prescribe yourself the type of cardio that you need for the goal that you are currently in. Um, I can use myself as an example. When I was doing bodybuilding competition, I did steady state cardio, uh, always at a heart rate of what would be 180 minus my age. So I would take the number 180, I would subtract my age from that that would be roughly the max heart rate that I would achieve during that cardio session. So it was a, a fairly low heart rate and I can't take credit for this methodology. I take it from Phil Maffetone, Dr. Phil Maffetone, who is regarded as one of the most premier running coaches, basically on the planet who's ever lived. This guy's super cool. He lives off grid. He's one of these, you know, he's, he's a, Kind of a keto, not a keto, but more of a a paleo kind of an advocate. The type of guy that you'd find just in a pair of shorts and flip flops, living out on his land. And he's uh, coached some of the greatest triathletes and runners who have ever, you know, delved into that world. And he calls it the MAF method, M A F F, which um, or M A F, which uh, you know, conveniently is like the beginning of his last name, Maffetone, and it's maximum aerobic function. And he makes a great point. I think he makes the greatest logical point that if you get into that, roughly that heart rate zone, then at that heart rate zone, you're going to be in more of an aerobic zone and not this gray area or anaerobic zone. In this aerobic zone that he speaks of, the 180 minus your age, uh, you stand a greater likelihood of burning fat for fuel and utilizing oxygen as your two primary fuel sources. So the odds of you burning any muscle tissue or borrowing into muscle stores or lean mass for energy is greatly diminished and you won't, be as, you won't be placing such a great demand on finding glucose for energy production. So it's especially good for people on lower carb diets. This is the way I always did cardio when I was just trying to look ridiculous naked. Um, now, now the, the way I'm training now, I want to be this highly functional strong you know athlete that can you know not only be strong but move well through space and to be able to lift heavy things and move them and be very dynamic in my training the like tactical kind of training that i call it more if you think of more like military special forces training kind of shit which is the kind of stuff i'm doing now then i think a hit style uh, cardio program i think is necessary both of them have an advantage and both of them have a disadvantage, but it totally depends on the style of training that you're doing. So right now, I'm doing rucking almost five days a week. And that is, and I'm gonna do a whole different podcast on rucking because it's something that I'm really, really in love with right now and I think it has amazing benefit for many people. But I'll walk around with a 30 to 60 pound rucksack, which is a backpack that you put weight in. And I will go do 40, 50 minute rucks, hour rucks, and then I start incorporating some challenges in with my rucking, like yesterday, for instance, after I did a very tough push-pull workout in the gym with more bodybuilding style movements at a higher intensity, uh, I went home, you know, threw on my rucksack, but then I took a 60-pound sandbag, threw that over my shoulders, and I did a four-mile walk. Now, that may not sound that bad on paper or me just saying it, but it was deceptively shitty. I distinctly remember 1.72. I'll never forget that number because my goal was to go out two miles it was very rolling, dynamic Carolina countryside. So there's a lot of hills and downs and twists and turns. And it was two o'clock in the afternoon heat, uh, very humid, hot days, like 91 degrees. And I remember precisely looking down at my Garmin watch and I was 1.72 miles in. I was fucking dying. And I knew I was like, I'm not even halfway. So it became extremely challenging. And I'm going to tell you my heart rate, you know, throughout was in the some, you know, pretty much after the first mile or so I maintained a 155 to 162 heart rate throughout that whole thing, which is pretty damn high, uh, which means I was working my ass off and it was a real challenge. It became a challenge. It was like holy shit, am I going to be able to, you know, get home without completely fucking dying and collapsing here? So it really sucked. And that's going to be, you know, a little bit more HIT style. And then sometimes I'll go in my backyard and I'll go through, you know, 20 minutes of HIT style workout where I'll do, you know, sledgehammer swings and sandbag movements and pull-ups and push-ups and things like that. Then throw on the rucksack and go out and, you know, ruck for 40 minutes with 60 pounds, that kind of stuff. So it just depends on what you want to do at the time. And then there's some days I just go out for a stroll, low heart rate just to kind of build that aerobic endurance too. So I'm not dipping into anaerobic too much. So it really depends on the goal. I don't think I've really answered any questions with this. I'm just telling you the way that I approach it. And I think it works best based on what your goals are unfortunately with q a stuff my my standard answer with any question is always really always begins well with it depends and it depends here too it depends on what you're doing and what you're trying to develop so i do a lot of hit right now with a little bit of you know steady state stuff sprinkled in whereas when i was doing bodybuilding style prep it was more steady state with the occasional hit sprinkled in so that's the way i do that so um, the next part of the question was how long can you safely without stalling the metabolism cut? I never hard cut more than 12 weeks. If you get to the 12 week mark, you know, and that's when you really start titrating the calories down, you start t- titrating the fat down, still keeping those carbs low, keep the protein very high. When you start 12 weeks out, if you're not already fairly lean, like if you don't already have some exposed abdominals and a s- little bit of vascularity, then you're still too damn fat and you got too lazy in the off season or in the gain phase. And you're just not ready to cut yet. And if your show is 12 weeks from that point, or if your goal date is 12 weeks from that point, you didn't prepare, right? You didn't prep right. So you can still go for it. And you may make some, you know, great strides. And if it's not for a bodybuilding competition or a physique competition, then that's fine. You get to where you can, but any more than 12 weeks could start to become detrimental to your health, your metabolism, your hormonal production, quality of life, libido, all these important things. And I did a video recently on that called is bodybuilding healthy. And I'll try to throw that one up there too. So you can check it out and check that out. If you, if you like, I explain a lot of that stuff in there as well. So 12 weeks, is the longest I would do a hard cut and the super hard suffer cut where you're just fucking dying and you start seeing mirages of food and, you know, you start, you know, rambling and mumbling and not making any sense and going incoherent. I definitely wouldn't do any of that longer than four to six weeks. So then you'll start to have diminishing returns. You'll get to a point where you go too deep and you can't pull out of it. And this little bit of what happened to me when I competed at nationals. So hopefully that answers that question. Um, Uh, manipulate macros during the cut, uh, reverse, when I'm coming out of my cut, I don't have a specific number in mind. I just slowly start bringing the fat and a little bit of the carbs up. The protein may come down a little bit because I keep it jacked for the cut because I need some calories, but I still need to keep the protein high. So I just start to level things off back to my normal division of macros, slowly start to bring it up. And then, yeah, uh, you know, after a week or two of I'm you know, feeling better now, things are back on track. I feel like a normal functioning human being again, then I'll recalculate my, uh, bulk, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll determine it a, a gain or excuse me, um, I maintain caloric level. And then I'll sort of plan when I would start to want to go on, on a gain phase for the next goal or the next competition or whatever. And then that's all by calculation, knowing my body. And if I'm working with a client, it's on calculation, by where they're at with their, their weight and their height and their gender and their training, you know uh, how long they've been training and how they look at that time. So all these things come into play. So uh, after that cut, I just slowly start to bring it back. I don't, you know, go off the deep end with junk food and all this stuff. That's how eating disorders are developed and, you know, they can develop problems with that. But so that's the way I do that. But uh, so there's the magic, Uh, even though it's not magic, it's just tried and true hard work, anything, Any of this stuff always comes down to consistency and hard work, consistency and hard work. The the process of any of this stuff is not that difficult. The difficulty comes in applying this to your life every single day. We're back to my day one philosophy. Every day is day one. And you're always the most motivated on day one because you're starting something new. We'll start that shit and maintain that mindset every single day. Okay. Next question. How do you deal with the anti-keto experts? Well, an anti-keto expert is an oxymoron. If you are a nutritionist and you tell me that keto is unhealthy or shouldn't be adopted or utilized, then you're telling me that you can take whatever shit degree you got and you can wipe your ass with it because uh, you wasted a lot of money. On being spoon-fed some dogma by some asshole, is that too harsh? Um, meaning, first, if you're an expert, you want to have a logical, rational conversation with me as to what keto means to me. Because if you just throw the word keto out there, you get these idiots that have been taught by SlimFast and you know the, the mainstream, you know indoctrinated idiots that keto is all about super high fat, moderate to low protein and super low to no carb, which is not the case. Keto is about low carb, not about high fat. So if I were to tell you, you know, what does keto mean to me? If I told you steak and eggs, or if I told you chicken and cauliflower, or if I told you salmon and asparagus, I don't think there's anybody out there that, you know, doesn't have an IQ of 11. That's going to say that any of that is bad. And if you do, then you've been indoctrinated and you're part of the, you know, vegan agenda, but that is what keto is. It's the, you know, a very, very low carb and a strategic use of carbs around a, for me, my version, my hybrid ketogenic bodybuilding nutrition is high protein, moderate fat, low carb. You keep your protein, you know, high to keep and maintain muscle growth. And you want to keep your fat based on your level of output, because if you take in too much fat, just like with carbs, too much fat is going to spill over as additional body fat. That's just the way it works. So you do need to be at a, you know, caloric deficit if you're trying to lose, or you need to be at your, you know, total daily energy expenditure intake to maintain once you get there and stay where you're at. So so I don't listen to these people because there's even, you know, popular keto people in the keto sphere that, you know, tell me what I'm doing is wrong and not one diet works for everybody. And, you know, revisions and changes can be made to any ideology and nutrition. So, you know, I work with dozens and dozens, dozens of clients and not, I don't apply the exact same formula to everyone. I start with a template of sorts and then adjust accordingly based on that individual. So basically anti, I have no, if, if, if you're new to me, then you'll learn quickly. I don't have any issue with just ignoring these idiots. And, you know, I'm pretty good at uh, what, you know, Dr. Ted Naaman said uh, at being the antidote to the keto orthodoxy. And a lot of them don't like me for that. I really don't give a shit. I do what I do. And if you like what I do, I'm glad to have you on board. If you don't like what I do, then you go be you and leave us all alone. Okay. Or hang out a while. We can still be friends and you may pick up some things that may sway your thinking a little bit and you can make some adjustments into what you're doing. So um, I'm not a zealot in either way. You know, I'm not going to say my way or the highway ever, you know, I'm going to say, this is what I do. I found that an element of this works pretty universally for most of the people that I work with. And if you want to jump on board and try it, great. We're happier. We're happy you're here. You know, welcome to our Island of Misfit Toys. Let's have some fun. So that's how I deal with them. Uh, Next question. If you're starting with an overweight client, would you still give them refeed days? It depends. Um, I think I'm always (laughs) I hate to sound like I'm giving a reward, like you're giving a dog a treat, but if I got somebody that's very obese and they're busting their asses and they're compliant 90% of the time, which I get those people and I get other people that aren't compliant 30% of the time. And then they fizzle out and disappear after a month because they say it's too hard. I'm like, fine, you know, this isn't for everybody. Being a badass is not for everybody, you know, but anyway, uh, yeah, if I got somebody that's working super, super hard and they've proved to me that they can be compliant, that they can be disciplined, uh, then I will say things like, hey, you know, yeah, if if you and your wife are going out to dinner Saturday night and you're asking me if you can have a potato with your steak, I'm going to say, yes, I'm still going to tell you to track it and then I'm going to look at it. And then if I start seeing potatoes pop up every damn day, then I'll know that you know this was not a good choice for you and you've now went out beyond the breakers and you know now you find yourself sitting in an alley you know holding up a sign asking people for potatoes and you know that that's where you're at now um so yeah absolutely i, I don't necessarily give them refeeds but i give them you know for lack of a better term some reward now if they're a hard training Very overweight person. If these people are busting their ass in the gym, they're doing their cardio, they're going above and beyond. They never miss workouts. They never miss their cardio sessions. They're just rabid about the whole thing. Then yeah, I'll tell them, okay, this Saturday or this Sunday, or if you like, maybe like on leg day, we're going to do a mild refeed. And that could be something as simple as uh, a little cream of rice or a couple of rice cakes with honey, or it could be, you know, a little bit of a little bit of extra fruit or whatever to replenish those glycogen stores to a point where I don't think it's going to be detrimental or impeding their progress in any way because of their output, that makes sense. So anyway, yeah. Um, okay, next, your thoughts on blood flow restriction training. It's cool. <laughs> you know, it works. It's not a scam. It, it's, uh, but to me, blood flow restriction training is like just one of those little extra modalities that if throw it in, and if you like it, then do it. I I've tried it once and I just was having a hard time getting caught up and putting the bands on. And it just kind of, it kind of interrupted my flow of training. And it's just one of those things that I just didn't keep up with. And it's sort of like, supplement like a performance supplement it may be responsible for five percent more of your progress in my opinion i could be totally wrong i mean i have not looked at the science behind it i've not looked at any really compelling meta analysis on it but it's something that uh try it and see if you like it and if you do keep doing it because i don't think it's something that would be detrimental to progress by any stretch if anything You're going to like the way it feels and it's going to help you, or you're just going to like the way it feels and that's cool enough. So yeah, go for it. Next question. How many grams of carbs on the average refeed day? And if kept at that number, could it be small amount of fruit or maybe small amount of popcorn, popcorn Um, on the average refeed day? It depends. It depends on the client. It's a 225 pound, you know, bodybuilder workout animal is definitely going to get more, you know, grams of carbs on a refeed than a 120 pound woman. Um, now a simple, like if you don't, if you're not working with a coach and you want something simple, let's say you're in a high protein, moderate fat, low carb approach, and you come around to your refeed day, swap the grams of, uh, um, or calories from fat and carbs. Just flip flop them. That's a good start, um, or you could just you know just start small and just evaluate. With really with a refeed, it's about feel. So if I do a refeed on a Sunday, if I'm feeling pretty drained, pretty depleted, I've worked my ass off all week, so I do a carb refeed on Sunday. Let's say I take in 300 grams of clean carbs, cream of rice, white rice, maybe a sweet potato. Uh, rice cakes and honey. And then I wake up Monday morning. I look in the mirror. I look great. um, I feel great. My, I have no GI distress. I go to the gym that Monday. I crush a workout. I go do an hour ruck or do my cardio and I feel fantastic. I'm vascular. I'm motivated. I'm thinking well, uh, then that was a good number. And then, you know, stick with that, add another 50 to hundred grams next week and see if there's any difference. Now, if all of a sudden you start to look a little fluffy, you start to put on a little weight over time, then you know that that number was too high and then peel it back. Everything's kind of an experiment. So, you know, I've definitely had clients where I've said, okay, take in 210 grams of carbs from these food sources and drop your fat to this, keep your protein the same. And then I've noticed, you know, after a couple of weeks, there could be some, I don't feel so well. I feel bloated. You know, I look a little puffy now on the pictures and then we'll dial it back. So it's an ongoing experiment. And then we find that sweet spot. And then we typically stick with that for quite a while. As far as fruits or popcorn, you know, yeah. I mean, if it fits in what uh, amount of carbohydrate you allot for yourself, I wouldn't go, I wouldn't make a 300 gram refeed all bananas and oranges. Um, I take in fruit almost every day as a part of my carbohydrate my low carbohydrate intake, I, I, I don't take in more than six to 10% of my total daily caloric intake a day from carbohydrates. And I'll do a, a serving of fruit every day. I may have a banana with some raw honey and a rice cake as part of my pre workout. Um, I may do, you know, uh, a piece of meat and, you know, a handful of fresh organic berries as a meal. I don't have a problem with fruit. Um, At all. I think if you stay within your caloric, uh, prescribed caloric intake, I think it's fine. I think it's great. I am sort of with people like Paul Saladino that believe that fruit is meant to be eaten. And if you eat it when it's in season and ripe and organic, then as long as you're not going overboard, I think it's very healthy and, and a very nice addition to the way you're eating. Uh, so yeah, um, I would, as far as as a refeed, I wouldn't have fruit be the dominant part of my refeed calories though. I do make sure that you're getting some complex carbohydrates in there to really refill those total muscle glycogen stores because fruit will also be responsible for refilling liver glycogen and some muscle glycogen. And we, the whole goal of a refeed is more to uh, fill up muscle glycogen stores. So stick with more like cream of rice, rice, potatoes, you know, things like that. And then uh, have a little bit of fruit in with that. That's fine. Totally, totally cool with that. All right. Um, do you have any tips to reduce flabby skin for those of us that started this program from a fluffy state over 40% body fat? God, I hate to be the one to, to, to say this. Well, number one, I'm still sorry to be the one to say this. Um, surgery. I mean, if it's really, if you have excessive skin folds of loose skin, there is no way to tighten that up. There's a couple keto zealots out there stealing people's money, telling them that a certain way of eating is going to tighten your skin. That's bullshit. Um, Yes. Adding muscle obviously will fill the space, the volume of space between, you know, the the skin and, and the organs. And, you know, so it, that'll help a little bit, but if you've got excess, uh, skin that's left over from being more, a larger person, then unfortunately surgery is the only real way to, to get rid of that. But I also want you to always, you know, be proud of yourself and keep congratulating yourself because, you know, you at, a, a, a guy at 16% body fat with, with loose skin is way better than a guy at 40% body fat with not loose skin. So be proud of your efforts and be proud of what you've done. And then down the road, if, you know, if it's just something that really bothers you, you know, talk to some doctors and, you know, see what can be done there. Your th- uh, What are your thoughts on net carbs, carbohydrates minus fiber versus carb counting? Can you subtract fiber? Yes. I'll make this one super quick. Um, yes, you can count net carbs, but I usually try to only do it. This is just a methodology that I think keeps you accountable. Only do it on vegetables and fruit. Don't do it on shit food or shit carbs or box carbs or, you know, crap carbs. Um, I think that's a terrible uh, habit to engage in. That's only going to cause problems down the road. So stick with your clean food list, you know, your meats, eggs, fish, you know, vegetables, water dense berries, fruit and berries and things like that, raw honey, things like that. And um, you can do the net carbs on those, but don't get caught into that trap of, oh, I'm going to eat this crap. And because it's got fiber, I'm going to pull that out and I'll be fine. Usually wind up Deep into the into the woods with that shit, and I do not recommend that. So I would only do it with your counting. Your do it only on your vegetables and healthy, uh, low sugar fruits. All right. Um, with the nose to tail nutrition craze, not sure it's a craze since uh, our hunter gatherer ancestors did it for you know, hundred thousand years or more. Um, I just say we're uh, we're we're bringing sexy back on that one. Pretty sure. So, um, with the nose to tell nutrition craze, are you incorporating organ meats into your diet whenever I possibly can? Absolutely. Is it easy to do? No, because I do believe I really think with organ meat, I do think it's important to find a good farm, local farm, or a regenerative farm online that, uh, is truly, uh, gets you, um, grass fed grass finished, you know, sustainably raised organ meat. I think it's important. I think it's, uh, more, more important than even just the muscle meat that you buy in the store. Um, so, uh, I like to get mine sourced from a local farm or from a regenerative agriculture farm online. I generally don't trust the, just the hunk of beef liver sitting at the supermarket from a God knows what fed whatever, um, you know, cow or whatever. Uh, but absolutely. I mean, honestly, the probably the most nutrient dense thing on earth is freaking liver. I mean, it's great. Some people don't like the taste. There are great ways that you can hide that, um, or mix it in with other meats like bacon and sausage and stuff to hide the texture or the flavor or whatever. I don't have an issue with it. It's easier for me to eat. If you like the supplement version, you know, Liver King and Paul Saladino, they have companies, you know, their whole ancestral health nose to tail, you know, liver testicle freaking pills that they sell. They're a little pricey, in my opinion, for what you can get, because it it doesn't take a lot of organ meat to get the benefit. If you did three ounces a couple times a week, you'd be good to go. It's not like you have to eat a giant hunk of liver every day or eat some piece of raw li- raw liver, you know, with a, you know, a spear every single day to get the benefit of it. So, yes, I do think it's important and I think it's just good when you can purchase as much of the animal as you can from a local farm that, you know, operates within regenerative agriculture that's humane and grass-fed and grass-finished and you know, take as much of that animal as you can and honor that animal for, for its, you know, ability to feed you and your family and keep the ecosystem and the chain of life going uh, in, in the manner it was meant to be. So, yeah, if you can get the bones and make bone broth and, you know, organ meats and if, you know, as much of the organs that you can tolerate and eat and if it's no big deal, then eat as much as you can. You know, El Saladino's eating testicles. haven't tried that. I would. Uh, I hear heart tastes really good. You know, little slivers of heart steaks or whatever I, I hear is very, very good. So certainly not a bad thing. You know, Do you have to have it if you're eating a very carnivore or carnivore-ish diet to be healthy? I don't think so. Is it the ideal? Probably. Sure. Yeah. I would have to say yes, but I don't think it's necessary. So that's just the way I, that's just the way I view it. Um, all right. So question number nine, we're getting through these pretty fast. I'm very happy. Which carbs are the best for you to use for pre intra post workout. And would you incorporate fruit in each meal? I wouldn't incorporate fruit in each meal. I wouldn't incorporate carbs in each meal. Uh, like I said, I have a serving of fruit a day on a brutal leg day. And then I go do an hour ruck in the 90 degree heat with a, you know, 60 pound rucksack Then I may have an extra serving of fruit. If my body's craving it, or if I know I, I'm, I need some calories, uh, but I don't eat fruit every, every meal. Um, I like just, it says, what are the best? Let me tell you my favorite. And my favorites would be also the ones that I think are the best for you to take in, in terms of clean, complex carbs for, workout performance, because really workout performance, performance in general is what you need to base your nutrition on. You want to always eat in a manner that lends to you performing at a high level, whatever that may be. So for me, if I'm having carbs around my workouts is where where I take in 80% of them, Cream of rice is one of my favorite. It's a it's a great pre-digested rice. It's gluten-free. It's super clean. It digests super well. It's in, it's out. You use it for what you need it for, and then it's gone. And bodybuilders have been using cream of rice since the 19 freaking 70s as a staple. White rice is fine. Definitely prefer white rice over brown rice. Brown rice has a lot of issues. I much prefer the white rice. Um, so I have could, might have a serving of white rice. Um, One of my go-tos because it's fast, quick, and easy is these days I may have a rice cake, maybe just a little bit of almond butter, a little bit of raw honey, and a banana. Uh, If I know I'm about to do a big pull day or a big leg day and then a long, heavy ruck session or some ridiculous suck ruck hit crazy ass sandbag workout all in the same day, I may take in a little extra. So I may do like a pre and a post Feeding of small amounts of those kinds of carbohydrates. But those are always going to be my favorite. If you're looking for efficiency and quickness, then a cyclic dextrin drink powder is fantastic. It's another thing that absorbs quickly, it doesn't spike insulin to the same level as uh, glucose or dextrose. Um, not that, and, and remember here, let me just get as an aside these people that say that insulin is the cause of everything that's ever bad that's ever happened to you in your life are, are crazy. Too much insulin secretion is bad. Too much insulin secretion, especially if you're insulin um, resistant, is bad. So, like anything, it's finding the precise amount required. You do need some insulin secretion. Pulling the trigger on some insulin is a good thing. It's anabolic. You know, there's a right time for everything. People talk about the ill effects of cortisol. Cortisol is bad, but certain times, a release of cortisol is a good thing. When you work out, you release cortisol. When you first wake up in the morning, your body produces cortisol. It's a fight or flight hormone. That is good. You need it at certain times in the right amounts. Insulin, you need certain times at the right amounts. So stimulating a little bit of rush of the insulin in combination with a hard workout is a positive thing. And then those insulin, insulin levels, stabilize, you bring in the protein, glucagon is excreted and then everything is good under the hood. So Uh, use the bulk of your carbohydrates around training, use it for performance. Um, I don't have a problem with intra so much. If you want to do that, just see how you see how it works for you. These days, I'm more of a, uh, sodium magnesium intra guy. I'll do the LMNTs, the elements, the element packets. I'll do an element packet in my water while I'm training and then once I'm done training and my heart rates come down, then I'll do a little bit of post-workout protein and carbs, and I'll do a little bit of pre-workout protein and carbs. And then it's just protein and you know healthy fats the rest of the day. And a little bit of, maybe a little bit of vegetables if my wife cooks it. I don't cook vegetables for me because it's too time consuming. And I don't need it. But for dinner, my wife likes to cook some cauliflower, roasted vegetables, or asparagus or something like that. I'm cool with that. So that's all I'd say about that. Um tips to lower cortisol levels if stress is the culprit of a of stubborn belly fat. Well, cortisol is not the driver, the prime driver of excess belly fat. A shitty diet, lack of sleep and, you know, not training hard enough is the result. But cortisol plays a role, absolutely for sure. So I don't want to demean you or or you know, not shine a light on cortisol secretion as being a problem. It certainly can be. I mean, I can't be any more. I just have to be brutally honest with you. If there is a stressor now exercise is a stressor. It's a good one. Fight or flight situations is a stressor. It's a good one. It'll save your life, but chronic stress throughout the day, that's lifestyle that could come from a shitty job, a shitty marriage, a shitty relationship. Um, it can come to some degree from too much blue light stimulation. Get off the freaking computer. Get off your damn phone. Get off your damn tablet. You know, at, later in the evening, after you've eaten a good meal and the sun's going down, read a book. You know, sit, at, sit around a fire pit in your backyard and talk to people. You would not believe how that will help reduce cortisol and stress in your life. And if you do have a stressor in your life, you got to get rid of it. It's not going to go away on its own. If something is causing you horrific stress and it's, it's not workouts and it's not, you know, stressors that come naturally that your body, you know, goes up and down throughout the day. If it's just a constant chronic stress, you got to get rid of that stress. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to say that, Oh, well, if, you know, you have a shitty relationship, a toxic relationship, and it's causing you massive stress, you know, go take 10 deep breaths and do some yoga. I'm not going to tell you to do that. Even though those things are great. I'm going to tell you to reduce the stressor, eliminate it. Sorry. You know, I'm not telling you to go get a divorce. I'm not telling you to go break up with your boyfriend or girlfriend. I'm not telling you to, you know, throw your kids out the window what I am telling you is you're going to need to find ways to reduce that stress and eliminate it from your life or things are never going to be the way you want them. And sleep is also a massive cortisol secretion, um, um, component. If you're not getting seven, eight, nine hours of good quality sleep a night, you're screwed. You're freaking screwed. So that's why I put such a huge importance on sleep. It's not, I know it's not an answer to your question, but it kind of is. It's just an honest one. Um, Here's number 11. It's a silly question upon first glance, but would love to hear more tips on how to eat enough protein. I once read that your body can only absorb a certain amount each meal, 40 grams or so divided into three meals a day means I'm not even close to hitting my protein macro. Go back and watch my interview with Dr. Ted Naiman. It'll answer all your questions about protein. Spoiler alert. Can your body only absorb 40 grams or so per meal? Horseshit. That is such crap, such crap. It it can absorb more, you'll be fine. You know, there are many meals I have well over 40 grams of protein and I'm still kicking and performing quite well. So no, it's that is not true. Um, That's just something that the, I'm not gonna get into that. I'm not gonna get political. but no, um, so but what bothers me with this question is tips on how to eat enough protein. I get that so often. I, I don't know how to get protein in my diet. I can't get enough protein. How could that ever be a problem? I do not understand that. That is one of the most just mind-blowing things that people say to me. I, I just get the eye twitch. I'm like, what? Do you know how easy it is to get in? 300 grams of protein. If it's, if that's what I told you to take in a scoop of whey protein is 25 grams, double that it's 50, you know, a a good sized chicken breast can be 50, 60 grams of protein. I have steak and eggs or ground beef and eggs every single morning. That might be a 75 gram whack of protein right there or more. Then I might have another whey shake post training. There's another 50 grams. And then I may have Some chicken or fish at one of my other meals. There's another, you know, 40, 50 grams. And then whatever dinner we have is always loaded with meat, tons of protein. You know, believe me, getting the protein in is not hard. You're just not trying hard enough. Um, every meal begins with protein. Every time you look to go build a meal, it, it needs to have protein. And is there anything wrong with eating four or five times a day? No. Especially if you're over 40 and you're trying to hold on and preserve as much lean mass as possible. And I know there's somebody out there saying you should only eat twice a day. You should only eat OMAD one meal a day. Bullshit. If that works for you, great. I embrace that. But for most of us, if you're trying to hold on and preserve lean muscle mass or trying to build it, then you need to make sure that you're constantly, you know, getting adequate protein throughout the day. You're having adequate muscle protein synthesis. You know, these are important things, especially to somebody who's over 35, 40 or even older in order to stave off sarcopenia, the loss of muscle mass, you know, it's a fight every single day. And I fight it every single day. And I make sure that everything I do is to make sure that I hang on to as much muscle as I can. And now it's to hang on to that muscle so I can perform better. Like when somebody says, Oh, you're doing CrossFit now? Like, no, I'm not doing CrossFit. Now, some of the CrossFitters at the highest level are freaking badasses. And I follow some of them and I think they're amazing, but that's not the norm. Most CrossFit Boxes you walk into is a bunch of skinny people just chit chatting around doing horrific versions of uh, you know exercises poorly. You know it's rare that you see a jacked, ripped, muscular, proportional CrossFitter. You know they're really good at moving weight from point A to point B, but often some many of them don't have any real foundational strength. I know there's a CrossFitter out there watching me right now saying you're a dick. You're about to... no. Don't get me wrong if you do if you do those kind of workouts properly i think they're absolutely amazing and i'm not going to lie if i i'm not lying when i tell you that i've borrowed some of these elements in my own training right now but i also believe a lot of those elements were borrowed from the powerlifting strongman and um military worlds they were and it it was a cool thing it brought you know intensity back it made that sexy again it made you know rusty barbells cool again you know sweaty you know boxes you know crossfit boxes cool but then it turned into a big money scheme where anybody could get certified in a weekend if they brought enough money with them and then you got people doing horrific kipping pull-ups which is the dumbest ass thing i've ever seen in my fucking life if you do a pull kipping pull-up in my gym you can't come back you know, you see a lot of, I see a lot of people coming into my gym with injuries from CrossFit. Now there are some CrossFit boxes that are spectacular, that teach everything perfectly, that help you through a proper foundation. And they're just amazing at what they do. But like anything else in this world, there's really good and they're really bad. And oftentimes the really bad outweighs the minority of really good. There's a lot of bad freaking trainers out there that just want your money. You know, some some 23-year-old, girl that won a couple competitions doesn't mean that she's qualified to take you through a, you know, 16 week contest prep or help you lose a hundred pounds. God, what was the question? I don't even know where, Oh, protein. (laughs) Um, Yeah. uh, I don't know how how I got off of that one. So it's so hard, but there you go. Um, So anyway, it's, it's so easy to get protein in just Just think about that for a second, you know, think about the massive list of animal protein available to you and you could come up with a thousand different things and a thousand different meals from that. So just make a little bit more effort and don't worry about the 40 grams, not being able to absorb the rest. Like it's going to like spill over and turn into, you know, gummy bears or something that's horseshit. Um, all right. Number 12, we're almost done. How about favorite meals, recipes, spices, condiments, brands of food? Jesus Christ, how much? We don't have three hours. Uh, okay, would fat bombs be an effective, Would be as effective as a micro-carb load pre-workout? Is keto good or bad for TRT? At what point do you gain fat from consuming too much fat? Thoughts on fasting. Does skipping reload days slow down the fat-burning process or speed it up Okay, some of these aren't I'm not in, probably going to be able an to answer that I'll just skip over, but uh, how about favorite meals? Meat, vegetables, fruit, eggs, fish. Uh, every single day, I have ground beef and eggs or steak and eggs. Every day. That's always meal two. Meal one is a protein shake. or eggs. like at home, sometimes I'll have eggs, and then three or four hours later I might have ground beef and eggs or steak and eggs, whatever sometimes the first meal is a piece of leftover meat from the night before that just sounds yummy. Um, but I do ground beef and eggs, steak and eggs every single day, uh, recipes. I mean, it's not hard to get creative with meat, vegetables, a little bit of fruit, you know, it's of course, eating for maximum performance and a phenomenal physique isn't going to be some French culinary tour of, you know, exquisite cuisine. It's going to be good, solid foods that are steady and solid. They never fail you. You can eat them repetitively, you know, eat like a wolf, eat like a dog. They eat the same fucking things every single day and it works for them. Um, so I'm not going to sit here and try to carve up recipes that would take hours. Uh, but we keep it pretty simple at our house. Even my wife, you know, it's always some combination of some meat, some fish, some poultry, and a vegetable. Sometimes there is a clean cream sauce, or sometimes it's a, you know, taco, shellless taco night, which is basically just a taco bowl, which is basically just, you know, Mexican ground beef with homemade guacamole and you know, some other, you know, stuff on top, like you would get in a typical Mexican fare just without the shit. Uh, condiments. I use a lot of sugar-free barbecue sauce. I use a lot of mustard. I'm a mustard guy. There's 800 different types of cool mustard out there. Spicy mustards, brown mustard, horseradish mustard. So I go through tons of those like deli mustard, coarse ground mustard. I, I must have 37 freaking things of mustard in my refrigerator and then on reserve in my cabinet. So that's a great way to go. Uh, brands of food, whatever your local sustainable farm gives you wrapped in paper that they just butchered from their farm. That's the best brand of food. Um, Would fat bombs be as effective as a micro pre-workout? In my opinion, absolutely not. I think um, sucking down um, a keto fudge ball um, with artificial sweetener in it is definitely not going to be as productive as some clean burning carbohydrates and a little bit of raw honey. Um, that's just my opinion. If eating a whack of fat makes you work out like a fucking animal and you're lean, vascular, hard, ripped, and amazing, don't change anything. It's working for you. But in my opinion, if some, you know, when I think of a fat bomb, I think of some whack of fat that is generally manipulated as trying to be something, uh, that it's not, uh, in order to satisfy you or, you know. You know, if taking a tablespoon of beef tallow makes you an animal in the gym, keep doing that. As for me, I'd do be better with a little bit of clean burning carbs and some raw honey, but that's just me. So try, see, see what's good. Is keto good or bad for TRT? A animal-based diet rich in protein and healthy animal fats is fantastic for, testo- for testosterone production, hormonal balance. Um, And it's certainly not going to hurt you if you're injecting synthetic testosterone. Synthetic testosterone is going to work, but it's going to work best if you're eating a clean diet and any sort of hormonal replacement therapy, the ideal environment for that is going to be a clean diet, exercise, lots of sleep, just like anything else. Uh, I would prefer to boost those levels naturally in the body, and it can be done by lifting heavy things, engaging in some high intensity intervals, getting lots of sleep, eating an animal based diet of protein and healthy fats, you know, keeping those protein levels high, you know, all these things, uh, vitamin D getting out in the sun, all these things, uh, keeping the stress down, all these things. So that's going to be the best thing for testosterone replacement therapy. At what point do you gain fat from consuming too much fat? the point with which you're taking in too much fat, then your body needs for energy and then it stores. So if you, if you determine that you, you know, need 2,500 calories to operate as an effective human, and that's the amount of calories you need for your level of output throughout the day, meaning just work, walking around, doing laundry, brushing your teeth and working out, If that's 2,500 calories, then go three to 500 calories below that, and you will drop body fat. But you also want to make sure that your division of macros is intelligently designed. You want your protein high because you need that for muscle growth and cellular repair. You need healthy fats for hormonal balance and energy production. You need some carbohydrate to help be a buffer, especially around workouts, and make to be protein sparing and help you with uh, fueling intense efforts. So... Uh, more fat than your body needs is going to store as body fat on your body. Like I've always said, would you rather burn the fat in your fat coffee, butter coffee, or would you rather burn the fat on your ass? I go ass fat every single time I I choose ass fat. Um, so, you know, it's about being, um, intelligent with your division of macros based on your goals, Thoughts on fasting. I don't like fasting. I don't see a need for it. I don't need to fast in order to accomplish a caloric deficit. I don't need to fast in order to keep myself from binging on shitty foods. And I think that's really the reason that everybody does. Um, It's not a miracle. It's not some magical thing that if you do that, you know, some spell is released in your airspace and all of a sudden you start melting fat like a match through paper. Um, I would prefer to take in, you know, my protein divided uh, throughout the day in a caloric deficit if i'm trying to get lean or at maintenance i'm trying to maintain performance um i instead of personal preference rather than do intermittent fasting every single day i'd rather do like every once in a while just do a 24-hour fast just to clean yourself out reset some shit, and then go back to your normal way of eating once again, me and Dr. Ted Naiman talked about this at length on the interview that I did with him. So check that out. Um, does skipping reload days, I'm, I'm sure you mean refeed days, slow down the fat burning process or speed it up. It's not really a question of either one. Um, I think it can be a great way to get the body moving again. If you're stalled, sort of reset the thermostat. Um, so it's not that skipping it is going to slow it down. Uh, doing it may help getting the machinery moving again but i think the way that you've asked the question kind of diminishes what it is it's just not that simple Um, i think replenishing glycogen after keeping it low for a long time is a smart thing to do i think it helps you push through the occasional stall I think it's good for performance uh, and and that's about it. It's not a miracle either. I just, it just works, seems to work well. So, all right. uh, Number 13, lucky 13. If I want to gain mass, should I do a higher weight or lower reps three to five or lower weight and higher reps, 10 to 15. If you're trying to be super fucking strong power lifter, you want to be able to lift a Buick lower rep ranges. If you want to be, if you want to hypertrophy, building muscle, think of a bodybuilder. When you think of strength, think of a power lifter. These big guys that are carrying some body fat, that would not be your ideal specimen to see them peel their shirt off at the beach. They're stronger than shit. Uh, and for what they do, that's fantastic. And those guys are amazing athletes. You know, fan, I think powerlifters are fantastic. You know, they're just amazing specimens. I would not want to look like a power lifter. And I don't really care if I can pick up a Buick. I'd rather pick up a you know a Hyundai and run with it hundred yards um but for bodybuilding to have to build muscle hypertrophy, I think you want to be anywhere from that you know eight to fifteen rep range and I think you want to keep the intensity high and um I think that's the key to having more of that uh physique competitor appearance, the kind of appearance that when you do peel off the clothes at the beach, people go, oh, "Shit! Wow!" You know that that that's and that's the way that works. So I don't think there's a problem with combining the two or going through a, a phase like when you're first getting started. I, I think like a five by five kind of a program with the big compound lifts is a great way to go through. Uh, you know, maybe four to six weeks worth of that to build a foundation. I think every CrossFitter should go through something like that to build a strength foundation and then I would start to move into more of a hypertrophy driven style of bodybuilding approach and that's where you want to get into that 8 to 15 rep range multiple sets drop sets rest pause you know supersets pre exhaustion all of those elements to help really um add to that progressive overload that time under tension to really build that muscle so that that's what I think on that so that's what I got Copied and pasted here on my screen. Um, And I think we've probably done enough for one day. I still have a ruck to get through today, 45 minutes uh, in the brutal Carolina heat. And I'm looking forward to that. And then it's just going to be relax, spend time with family, get caught up on a little bit of online work. And then there's that. So um, I want to thank our sponsors, manscaped.com. They are an official sponsor of our YouTube channel and the ketogenic bodybuilding podcast, uh, amazing below the waist and head to toe male grooming trimmers. They're the best of the best. I use mine every single day to stay tidy in all of those areas including the areas that you see. Um I rarely even have to use a razor anymore because there's they get so close, they never cut, they never nick. They're fantastic. Use the code KGB20 at checkout to save 20% off your purchase and get free shipping. That got some amazing products there. I use a lot of their other products as well. Uh, so check them out. Animal Pack. I have been using Animal Pack supplements since 1994. And I've never used one that I didn't love. I believe in the company. When you understand who started this company who runs this company. It is bodybuilders and athletes for bodybuilders and athletes. All their stuff is dosed the way it should be super high. You're always getting your money's worth. They have great formulas. Their athletes use the formulas. Some of their athletes help develop the formulas because they know what they want. So they want to make sure that you're getting the same results. Uh, So it's an amazing company. I use four or five different compounds from them. Go to animalpack.com. Check it out. Throw some stuff in your cart. Use the coupon code 10RGF, Rob Goodwin Fitness, 10RGF at checkout to save 10% off your entire order. Excellent, excellent stuff. So please do that. If you need some coaching, if you need that accountability, if you want me to write your programming, help you with your diet, help you with a goal, help you be the best that you can possibly be, that's what I do. Go to robgoodwin.com, click the coaching link, And we have some amazing things right now available to you. And we have the new program, the tier one program, also coming very, very soon for be on the lookout for that. Once again, everybody, thank you for being here. Today is day one and get out there and do something more difficult than you did yesterday. I really appreciate your support. Please leave a comment below. That goes a long way. Give me a thumbs up if you liked it. If you're following via podcast, especially if you're on iTunes, please leave a five-star review. I'd really, really appreciate your help there. It takes just a minute to do that. and goes a long way in helping me with what I do. And uh, as always, train hard, diet harder, and have a great day. Peace, guys.